We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I'm going to discuss the devastating consequences of abandoning truth. That was the subtitle to my first book, Not a Daycare. I will also discuss my new book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe But It's Good, and the need to return to the objective definitions of truth with a capital T if we are ever going to be a free people. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. On today's show, I'd like to discuss the two subtitles to my two books, rather than the headline, the main title. In my first book, Not a Daycare, the subtitle was The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. In my book that will be released on April 13th, the subtitle is Life is Not Safe, But It's Good. Now, sometimes a subtitle will tell you more about a book than the actual title of the book itself. Sometimes the title is just something that's crafted to catch your attention. Yes, it's appropriate, and yes, it is timely, and yes, it is something that points you to the purpose of the book, but the subtitle gives you more definition, more clarity. In Not a Daycare, I was bemoaning the problem of the snowflake rebellion. I was calling out this nonsense of microaggressions and trigger warnings and the, the cry, the constant whining for safe spaces on our college campuses, the exact opposite, the antithesis of what the ivory tower is supposed to be. As you've heard me say over and over again, education is supposed to be about pursuing truth, not protecting your opinions. It's, a, it's about facts, not feelings. And what we've created in our culture today goes back to the podium and the pulpit, to the teacher and the preacher. Who's responsible for this mess that we're in right now? I would argue it's the preacher, it's the teacher, and it's the parent. We've taught a generation. We've we've taught multiple generations to think about their feelings more than think about the facts. We've taught one generation after another to whine and complain and cry for safe spaces. We've told them that we'll coddle you if you feel uncomfortable. We've told them that we're going to judge them by the color of their skin rather than the content of their character. We've told them all of this stuff. In classroom after classroom, we've taught them this. And unfortunately, many of our churches have imbibed the Kool-Aid also. They bought the lie about postmodern deconstruction and then reconstructing truth in their own image. Rather than believing that truth is out there as an objective reality that doesn't change regardless of how they feel and that their opinions really don't matter, as I've said before, that you go to college to get a degree in accounting or marketing or physics or pre-med, or pre-vet, or pre-dental. All of these disciplines 
imply some sort of objective reality, objective facts. You're supposed to learn something about those truths in those disciplines. You don't just go in and say, well, my opinion is 2 plus 2 equals 5. No, that doesn't matter what your opinion is. In fact, if you say that 2 plus 2 equals 5, you're delusional. You're wrong. You won't pass the test. But unfortunately, we live in a time where some people, many people, multitudes of people, corporate oligarchs and Washington, D.C. bureaucrats are offended by what I just said. And there's even a professor at a university in Boston who's claiming that 2 plus 2 equals 4 is nothing but trope, quote-unquote, and the product of white privilege. That's where we are today. How did we get here? Well, that's what my first book, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth, not a daycare, subtitled, what did I say at the beginning of the show? We're going to talk about the subtitles of my two book, subtitled The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. John Daniel Davidson has an excellent article in The Federalist, just came out yesterday. John Daniel Davidson in The Federalist, it's titled, Corporate Media and Leftist Corporations Are Living in Unreality. And oh, this article is spot on. I won't read all of it to you, but I'm going to pull out a couple of his main points. He starts out by saying this, we are in a new era of news media, a clown world, where true things are decried as false, and false things are heralded as true. That's where we are. A male is a female, a female is a male. We have CNN telling us that there's no way that you can assign sex and gender upon birth of a child. They just said that. They just said that you can't tell whether a newborn baby is objectively female or objectively male. What world do these people live in? Well, they live in a world of their own making. They live in a fantasy land. That's what John Daniel Davidson is saying. It's a new world where true things are decried as false and false things are are heralded as true. It's the opposite of what Oz Guinness told us in his book, A Time for Truth, where he said truth is true even if no one believes it and falsehood is false even if everyone believes it. Truth is true and that's just the end of it. You need to hear what Oz Guinness is saying. And you also need to hear what John Daniel Davidson is saying in this article in The Federalists, where he says, once again, we are in a new era of news media, a clown world where true things are decried as false and false things, false things are heralded as true. This mess that we're in right now is the result, it's the devastating consequences of abandoning truth. When truth no longer, truth with a capital T, When truth no longer is an objective fact, something out there that you try to find, understand, embrace, and own, you try to acquire more of it. That's the point of going off to college. That's the point of reading a book. That's the point of reading the newspaper. That's the point 
of Googling or searching for any story right now. If truth isn't the measuring rod, then you can't disagree with anything I've already said because there's no truthful basis for you to do so. If you're upset about what I'm saying right now, if you disagree with the things I'm contending right now, if you don't like what John Daniel Davidson said, if you want to challenge Oz Guinness, if you don't like what the Bible says, if you think that the biblical standards for morality are wrong, you have no basis for doing any of that if you don't believe in truth because nothing matters anymore other than personal opinion and power and politics. And doesn't that describe where we are right now? The devastating consequences of abandoning truth. That's the subtitle of my first book. Now, in the coming days, I'm going on the media circuit. I'm going on Fox and Friends. I'm going on the Glenn Beck show. I'm doing the Huckabee show. I'm going on Newsmax, etc. I'm doing multiple radio talk shows. Why? Because my new book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good, is being released on the 13th. I encourage all of you to consider buying a copy of it. Please do. And also remember that even if you don't buy a copy, you can go to Amazon.com and you can click on Grow Up, comma, Everett Piper. Search Grow Up, comma, Everett Piper. And then you can go to that site for that book. And you can buy a copy if you wish, or two or three or four or five, and give them away as commencement gifts to every graduating senior in your church. Give them away to the parents of those graduates in your church. Consider using it as a study, uh, as a book to study for your small groups. It's not just a book for younger people. It's a book for everybody. When I say grow up, I'm saying we all need to grow up. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us that adults need to stop being too easily satisfied with milk, and they need to think about consuming some spiritual, intellectual, ideological meat. And that meat is truth. And the milk is just the soft stuff. The soft stuff of feelings. So in the coming days, as I go about launching this book, please consider attending to it. But after we take a break, I'd like to talk about, yes, the subtitle for not a daycare, the devastating consequences of abandoning truth, John Daniel Davidson's article just a little bit further, and then I want to talk about a chapter out of Grow Up that I titled, You're Not Webster. Let's take a break and acknowledge our corporate sponsors, and when we get back, we'll deal with truth. Does it exist or doesn't it? Are definitions real or do we live in a clown world? a fantasy land where we can just make it up as we go. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. We will be right back after a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. So this article from John Dable, Dave, excuse me, John Daniel Davidson, again, The Federalist, titled Corporate Media and Leftist Corporations Are Living in Unreality, a Clown World, where true things are decried as false and false things are heralded as true. The subject of his article is the fact that the media is spinning everything right now, and you can't believe what they say. His opening paragraph is this. If you follow the news, you know that something has changed. I'm not talking about media biased. 
The media has always been biased, sometimes in obvious and childlike ways, sometimes more subtly. That's not what's different. What's different is that corporate news outlets, together with major corporations of all kinds, now routinely present what is false as true, and what is true as false. They deceive on purpose and without apology, and they do so in service of leftist, ideological, and political agendas. This is new, and it's dangerous, says Davidson. You need to read this article. You need to read this article. That paragraph that I just finished is spot on. I'm going to read it again. What is different is that corporate news outlets, together with their major corporations of all kinds, now routinely present what is false as true and what is true as false. They deceive on purpose and without apology because they have a political agenda. And then he goes on and says that's dangerous. He says examples of this new media, unreality, this clown world, this fantasy land, are ubiquitous. Almost all the reporting on Georgia's election law reform, for example, has been incorrect, misleading, and outright wrong and deceptive. And he goes in to tell you exactly what the Georgia election law did and didn't do. Forget the political spin. Forget your emotions. Forget the feelings of people as they debate this thing. What are the facts? Are you getting those facts when you read the news, when you listen to the news? And the answer is no, you are not. He does cite the Heritage Foundation giving a simple, a simple, unemotional, list of what the law actually does. You might want to go to the Heritage Foundation and check that out. That's not the point necessarily of today's show. What the point is, is when you abandon the truth as a reality, when evil is good and good is evil, when bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter, when up is down and down is up, when two plus two equals green, doesn't even equal a number any longer. It's it, Two plus two is green. It's purple. It's red. It doesn't even need to make sense any longer because it's your feeling that you're going to lay over the equation rather than the assumption that there's a factual answer. If we're at that point as a culture, everything comes unraveled. And as Davidson says, that is dangerous. That is dangerous. In this Georgia election nonsense, you have everything from Joe Biden calling it Jim Crow in the 21st century. And then he went on to say that the law is sick and un-American. Why? See, those are all emotional statements. They're not factual statements. Why? Why is it Jim Crow in the 21st century? Why is it sick and un-American? What about this law falls into those categories. Nothing. Nothing. Davidson points out this. Contrary to what has been reported by the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, and many other corporate outlets, the Georgia law does not contain any onerous voter ID requirements. It simply replaces a shoddy signature match system with a voter ID system and provides that any Georgia resident can get a state ID for free if he doesn't already have one. And then he points this out. 97% of registered voters in Georgia already do have a state ID, like a license, a driver's license. 
the the crap you're hearing about eliminating drop boxes for mail-in ballots, that's not true. The stuff you're hearing about banning drinking water while you're waiting in line at the polls, that's not true. On and on and on, Davidson points out in this article, the stuff you're getting from the media, from the corporate oligarchs, and from Washington, D.C. is a blatant lie. It's just not true. It is not true. And Major League Baseball pulling its All-Star game out of Georgia because of all these lies is just one example of the devastating consequences of abandoning truth. You're going to make foolish decisions. You've got Coca-Cola criticizing the law. You have the president of Delta criticizing the law. The list goes on and on. Why? Because they're digesting this nonsense rather than pursuing what's true. And the consequences of abandoning truth are you're going to live in a clown land, a fantasy land, a land of deception, a land where men aren't real and nor are women, nor are women. A land where you can't assign sex and gender at birth. You can't declare if you're a medical doctor, you can't tell the woman, well, it's a boy. It's a girl. You can't put that on the birth certificate any longer. And we aren't even surprised by this. We don't even seem to be stunned that this is going on. It's like the frog in the kettle. The temperature has been increased oh so gradually. And we're being cooked by these lies. And we don't even know it. We don't even know it. In my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. I have a chapter that I titled, You're Not Webster. And my point is this. The dictionary has been written. Words have definitions. Red is a color. It's not a number. Two plus two is a formula that does equal something objectively. And that's four. Not five. Not one. But four. And that we can't even engage in life, in conversations, in debate in disagreement, in agreement, if we don't acknowledge the objective understanding of the communication that we choose as a means of our engagement. If our words don't mean anything, then you couldn't listen to me and understand what I'm saying. You couldn't agree with me and say amen. You couldn't say, well, that's garbage. You don't have your facts straight, Piper. Words have to mean something. I say this in the book. You see, good education must be grounded in the conservative respect for what is immutable, just, and real. It should seek to reclaim what has been co-opted and reveal what has been compromised. Good education should be free of intimidation and should honor open inquiry. It should also honor the right to dissent and disagree. It should have confidence in the measuring rod of truth, that unalienable standard that is bigger and better than the crowd or the consensus. Good education, good teaching, good preaching, good news, good books should teach all of us, young men, old men, young women, old women, the art of pursuing truth, not constructing opinions. MLK told us in his letter from the Birmingham jail that good education aims to conserve the immutable virtues 
that serve as our strongest justification for our ongoing struggle for freedom and liberation and liberty. MLK's letter from the Birmingham jail was grounded in the objective reality of God's natural law. He was saying that the march for justice would be unmoored and untethered with no foundation, no anchor, if it isn't grounded in something bigger than the opinions of the majority, which at the time was trying to suppress and oppress the black population. Why did America successfully challenge that lie? Because we believed in truth, and that's what the letter from the Birmingham jail was pointing out. More from my book. It seems that hardly a day goes by when the call for safe spaces and speech codes is not headline news. The countless stories show that colleges and universities today are more bastions of ideological fascism than bulwarks of free speech. Places where students and faculty are more passionate about restricting debate than they are about defending the freedom to disagree. The goal of the university, I say, and grow up, life isn't safe, but it's good, whether it be Berkeley or Brown, should be what is factual and not the newest fluid fad. Honesty demands that we boldly pursue time tested truths, truths that have been defended by reason, validated by experience, and confirmed by revelation. We will only find truth when we place our confidence in it and not ourselves. We only learn when we love truth enough to measure all ideas with a measuring rod outside of those things being measured, and we are willing to discard those ideas we find to be inferior those ideas that we find to be dishonest. This is a life that is good, not one that is safe. Grow up. Grow up. Maturity as a person, as a culture, is found in the truth. Let me suggest this. When you were a child, there may have been a time when you were coddled. There may have been a time when you believed in the Easter Bunny. There may have been a time when you believed in Santa Claus. There may have been a time when you actually lived in a fantasy world. You were a child. You weren't an adult. But there was a time when you learned the truth. And you recognize that Santa Claus is not real and that Easter is about the crucifixion, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the word made flesh and dwelling among us, the guy who said, the God who said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free, that life isn't about Easter bunnies and chocolate eggs. It isn't about Santa Claus and the self-centeredness of wanting to get presents from mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. Life isn't that safe. 
Oh, you may have felt secure and safe in that time of childhood. And, well, okay. Maybe that's the adult's job, is to make you feel safe until you are strong enough to get out of the nest and spread your wings and fly. I mean, doesn't nature teach us this? There's a time when every mother, whether that mother be a bird, whether that mother be a horse, whether that mother be a cat or a dog, you see this in nature. There's a time of taking care of the weakness of youth, of trying to make the young safe from all of the junk that exists out there in the world. But there's also a time where every mother pushes their little ones out of the nest and says, it's time to get out of here. It's time to fly. Life isn't safe, but it's good. If you stay in the nest your entire life, you will never enjoy the freedom of flight. You will never enjoy what you were created to be. You, are never, you will never realize it. Your life will be deception. It'll be a clown show. In Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. I tell the story multiple times about how C.S. Lewis describes the great lion Aslan as being good, not safe. Well, the great lion of Jesus Christ is good with a capital G. He is not safe. The great lion of the church is good. It is not safe. The great lion of the Constitution is good. It is not safe. The great lion of education, the ivory tower, should be good, not safe. The great line of debate and discourse and disagreement, of affirmation and agreement, should be good and not safe. The goal should be goodness, not safety if you're an adult. There's a time to get out of the nest and the time is now. But you have to recognize the truths of aerodynamics, the truths of how to fly. Otherwise, you will come tumbling down and you will die as a culture and as a human being. We need to anchor our culture on the rock. Jesus tells us that if you build your house on sand, it will crumble. The sand is feelings. The rock is fact. Anchor your personal life as well as your country's life on the rock. Those self-evident truths that are endowed to us by our creator, and you will be free. If you don't, if you build it on moving targets and fairy tale definitions, the result will be collapse and failure. And this is the antithesis of maturing and living like an adult. This is perpetual adolescence. It is juvenile foolishness. I conclude this chapter with these words. Words have definitions. Meanings aren't changed just because you or I feel like it. Webster has written his dictionary and you're not Webster. The facts don't care about your feelings. I'm not going to give you a degree in opinions. I actually hope you've learned something. And here's the thing you should learn. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. This is a time of deception. Courageous adults will stand for truth. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.